Marketing a region, whether it's a county or other collection of cities, comes with a unique set of challenges in brand architecture and the role of destination marketing. In brand architecture, it's ensuring you create a common place identity while still allowing individual communities within to have their own unique identity. In destination marketing organizations, it's about evolving beyond simply promoting an area to actively managing and advocating for your local community. Today, we're joined by Chuck Davison of Visit SloCal to talk about just that. You're listening to Eyes on the Street, a civic brand podcast, conversations on community branding, engagement, and marketing. Welcome back to another episode of Eyes on the Street. I'm super excited to be joined today by Chuck Davidson, who is the president and CEO of Visit SloCal. Chuck, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Appreciate the opportunity to be with you. Yeah. So, so Chuck, I saw you speak at the City Nation Place Americas Conference in Los Angeles a couple years ago um, and really enjoyed the session that you gave on kind of how you guys developed a SloCal brand. And so I guess let's start there of what is SloCal and, and what is your role in, in that yeah, so um, you know, visit SloCal, the organization that I'm the CEO of. We're responsible for the destination marketing and management of San Luis Obispo County, is the actual destination. When I took over back in uh, 2015, uh, we started doing some research and, and very quickly realized that um, people don't travel to counties. So when our, our previous organization was called Visit San Luis Obispo County, uh, people don't actually travel to counties and. Although people appreciate the government and all they do for us, uh, they don't really want travel advice from the government. And when you have county in a name, you know, people think of it as uh, as the government. And so, you know, we we really baked our organization in research and we started um, kind of trying to come up with some understanding of the destination and how to best market it. There's a there's an actual uh, visual um, uh, pictorial out there that shows Northern California and Southern California. And so it says NorCal, SoCal, and in the middle where the Central Coast would be, it says, who cares? And so we realized really quickly that we didn't want to be who cares. We wanted to define the destination as a region for people to travel to. And and one of the experiences that we went through was I had um, the advertising agency that was pitching us put all of the California destinations uh, advertisements up on one wall and remove all their logos. And I realized really quickly that everybody uh, was selling sun, surf, and sand. And, uh, you know, we, we know from a destination standpoint, although we have 85 miles of uh, oceanfront access, we're not going to compete with Southern California when it comes to sun, surf, and sand. They've got that market kind of locked up. And our agency at the time, uh, BCF and the principal there, Keith Ireland, you know, really did an amazing job of kind of fleshing out that our destination really needed to be birthed in the lifestyle. That's what we needed to be selling when we talked about San Luis Obispo uh, County as a destination. So that that developed into uh, SloCal as a as a region, and our life's too beautiful to rush campaign really focused on getting people to slow down in the California less traveled and enjoying the experience rather than 
kind of rushing through it. And so that slow Cal is San Luis Obispo. And then Cal is obviously California. We knew when we were on the road in international destinations that uh, we wanted people to understand California as a place. And the more we could attach ourselves to the state of California that most people know internationally, the better off we would be in, in the uh, longevity of our brand. And so now we've got a new agency that just onboarded with us in uh in February, uh, Maring, they, uh, they've been the agency for Visit California, the, the, one of the largest state DMOs uh, for the last 20 years. And so they're really accustomed in our work and kind of uh, do some of the gold standard tourism work, at least in California. And they're helping us develop now what we call this House of Brands concept. You know, we've got 18 communities in the region. And so how do we allow those communities to tell their individual story as part of the larger platform. And so uh, working to really tie all those local stories to get with together with what we're trying to do from a region. Yeah. Yeah. And I, lo- I love how, you know, the brand and the name does fit in with you. There's NorCal SoCal and you guys are now SlowCal instead of who cares. Um, you know, I, I uh, a couple years ago on a family road trip, we definitely stopped in the area and saw the elephant seals um, there in SoCal. So, um, you know, been through and you know, one of the things that you you said really resonated with me is, you know, people don't visit counties, right? And we're doing some work with uh, Clackamas County in Oregon, just outside of Portland. And definitely the research and data shows the same thing there. Um, but I was actually thinking back to another project that we did in Park Rapids. It was the Park Rapids Lakes area was the name we inherited. And, you know, one that's kind of a mouthful, but kind of like, you know, in a county or a region, it's made up of all these different communities that in, in our research there, as soon as people heard Park Rapids Lakes areas, the locals, they kind of didn't buy in. It's like, well, we're our own entity. So that that House of Brands concept where, you know, you can remove a single city's name from the, the banner name, but let, allow a platform for all these different communities to buy in. So I'm, I'm curious, did you guys kind of find the same thing from a naming standpoint as well? Yeah, I think, you know, it's interesting because I think especially because obviously these individual community brands have existed far longer than SloCal. I mean, SloCal is only five years old and you know, trying to get adoption across those uh, communities is is it's a heavy lift um, because in their mind, I think one of the things that we continue to hear is they're afraid of in that adoption, giving up who they are as a destination. And it's exactly the opposite that we're trying to create, right? So the example we often use um, is Procter & Gamble. If you were to pick up a, a tube of Crest toothpaste and turn it over, right? There's a Procter & Gamble logo on the back because Procter & Gamble is a family of brands uh, of which one of the uh, members of the family is Crest. And so Crest didn't lose anything. You know, Crest is what's on the front of the toothpaste. That's what people see. But it's part of the greater story of the Procter & Gamble family. And so for us, you know, we we are trying to get people accustomed to SoCal as a region. And what does that mean? Um, but, you know, there's a there's a challenge with the understanding of, OK, what destinations are actually in SoCal? Right. And so we're, I, I may know Paso Robles from a wine country experience, but I didn't know that Paso was in SoCal. I may know Pismo Beach from a beach standpoint, but didn't know that that was actually in the SoCal uh, region. And so our, our goal is to create these individual rooms where every room is equally important in the house, 
um, but that they fall under the umbrella of SoCal as a region, but all play a very important role in standing up the house uh, and the value that the house brings when somebody visits the destination and wants to experience more than one room. I think that's the great thing about regions like ours or, you know, Clackamas, uh, you know, Gresham, all these great communities that are that are up there in that region. Um, but but people don't often understand how those two things are linked. And I'll tell you, one of the big challenges that we have with our region, especially because so many people come from California, if you're in Los Angeles and you think about going 30 miles, that's going to take three hours, right? Here, you know, you can be at Pismo Beach and 35 miles later, you're going to be in Paso Robles drinking wine. And that 35 miles here is 35 minutes. Right. So when our major markets are these big metros that don't understand that. It's also a challenge to convey to them how easy it is to move between the 18 communities that make up the region. Uh, and so it's all part of that kind of House of Brands packaging that we're working on right now in the evolution of uh, SoCal uh, as a region. That's great. Yeah, getting that brand architecture is critical to get the buy-in and not have people resist. And the analogy that I use when kind of explaining that to some of our clients is it's kind of like the Russian stacking dolls, you know, mm -hmm. where the dolls fit inside each other. They kind of all have their role to play. And also, you know, when even when people ask, you know, where you're from, like I'm originally from Dallas. And um, so people ask, where are you from? Well, I say Dallas. Yeah. Even if they know Dallas, it's like, well, actually North Dallas and then actually Richardson. And, you know, you kind of, it depends on how, as you get closer, you can those, those sub brands can start to come out and, and really flourish. But the further you are out, let's start with slow cow and then let's let the unique uh, communities within. So I think that's great. Um, so are, are you, what are you going to be talking about at the, you're going to be speaking again at the upcoming city nation place America's conference next month. Um, are you going to be talking about any of that brand architecture or tell me what you're going to be talking about there? Yeah, we're definitely going to be talking about some of the legs of that brand architecture. Always a, a joy to, to participate in City Nation Place. Um, you know, a, a big fan of Residence Consultancy who helps put this, this work together. They did our destination management strategy, our kind of 30-year look at what we wanted the destination to become proactively. Uh, that got finished a couple of years ago, and we have 28 recommendations in that plan that we're working on now. So really, this session uh, next month is focused on kind of reevaluating the tourism economy and identifying the longer term challenges and opportunities. I think for so many of us, um, you know, the pandemic changed a lot. Uh, focus, time, attention, priorities. And some of those things will go back to the way they were. Um, but quite frankly, there's others that won't. And so what does that look like? And what does the reboot of travel and tourism look like? And how will a destination marketing and management organization really navigate that? So we're going to be discussing kind of those DMMO uh, opportunities and challenges post-COVID. You know, how do we partner? What does resident sentiment look like in your market as you start welcoming visitors back? What's the impact of uh, the pandemic on things like sustainability? You know, it's always interesting to me for so many of us that, uh, you know, we, especially in California, work a lot on sustainability, but we go into a pandemic and gosh, we've never created more trash than we have in, I think, in the history of the world. I mean, every single takeout item was was in a, uh, you know, some sort of disposable container. And so, you know, there's just all these things that we need to really evaluate. What are the, what's, what's the good, what's the bad, and how do we take advantage of the opportunities and how do we manage to the challenges? Yeah. To your, to your point there about the sustainability, I mean, 
just pre-pandemic, I remember the big focus was straws, right? We got to get rid of straws. They're out. And then all of a sudden it was like everything was disposable again. And um, I think this is a quote of yours from maybe from the last uh, time you spoke at City Nation Place, but that if a DMO is not proactively evolving into a DMMO, they will ultimately become obsolete. And I think a lot of that, I'd love to explain what that means, but I think a lot of that goes to what you're talking about now of it's not just promoting the area. It's like, how do we manage this? So yeah. can you tell me what you meant by that? Yeah. I mean, I think it, it is a, it is a, a, a quote of mine. Um, it's interesting because, you know, if you think back to before the pandemic, obviously tourism in a 10 year run, I mean, things were the, probably the best they had ever been, but the, the marketing of what we were doing was, um, you know, it, it, it was the major focus. It was much a part of what most destinations were doing. And when I took over back in 15, you know, we had a lot of, we're a small rural area. I mean, San Luis Obispo County is 3,600 square miles and there's 280,000 people that live here. So, you know, if you did the math on that, everybody gets like eight acres to themselves. If, if that was only actually true that you actually got eight acres. Uh, we'd all be wealthy individuals, but th there's a lot of open space here. And so we realized really quickly that we were going to be challenged from an infrastructure standpoint and from a development standpoint. And how do we, we look at our business through the lens of if the work we do does not maintain or improve resident quality of life, we should not do it. So, you know, we got all this open space, let's say for the sake of discussion, Disneyland comes and they want to build a theme park here. That would be amazing for tourism. And there's no theme parks on the Central Coast, but that would not be good for our residents. And so by default, we would not want to do that. And so for us, we had been in this part of residence consultancy doing that destination management strategy was the, the second M, the management, destination marketing and management organization, it was focused on that second M. But I think what happened during COVID just heightened this even more. For the majority of us, at least for a certain period of time, there was no marketing at all. Mm -hmm. So if, if your whole organization is rooted in marketing, what's the value at that point that you are presenting or creating for your local destination? If we weren't allowed to market, I mean, what's the point of our organization? And that's where we were already in the shift of the management work that we were doing. So, you know, much of our work during that time was was on the management side, but uh, but also rooted in advocacy. And so, you know, we were sitting at the table, as many organizations were from day one, helping the county uh, negotiate and understand what, you know, reopening and safe, you know, protocols looked like. I was actually standing with the county doing uh, the daily pressers that were occurring to our local community with the head of health and human services, you know, locally and, and our county administrator and, and those individuals. We developed uh, a pathway for our community to get uh, tourism uh, employees uh, into the vaccine protocol list. So tourism employees were not considered essential. And so we were advocating for how do we get all these these shots for for our employees in the industry and, you know, finally got those and, and got a bunch of days that were focused just on getting tourism employees vaccinated. And so there were a bunch of scenarios like that, that had we not been developing those relationships on the management side and really focused on that, we would not we would have been obsolete to our local community. And instead of being obsolete, we became more essential than we had ever been in the history of our organization, even when we were not spending a dollar 
doing marketing, which is a really different lens in the way that we look at things. But it has set us up now that the world is reopening where the county is like, hey, go do what you're here to do because we trust that you're going to do it through the right lens because we know that you're looking at our market in the way that we would also be looking at it um, as a government. We're nonprofit, so we don't, you know, we don't report into the government. But I say, you know, you have to build those relationships along the way so that when you need them, the relationship already exists. The last thing you wanted to be doing is trying to build a relationship when you need it. Um, and so because of that, there's a lot of trust for our organization that we're going to do things right, which comes really from that that management piece. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's I mean, that's so great that you guys were had already kind of made those steps because I think going into a pandemic, it just made it, you know, that's the time when you need it. And for me, that's really the biggest difference between branding and marketing and developing a place brand versus just a campaign or marketing. And, and I do think so many people still to this day, when they do hear brand, um, you know, they think just marketing, they immediately go to marketing or a campaign where it is at the end of the line, you know, you do, you do all the product development and then you just go, how do you go sell this? Whereas branding or even doing marketing the right way, you're involved up front. You're involved in those strategic decisions. It's used as a decision lens, um, a filter for making those decisions. Um, so I think that's great. And a lot of communities, uh, you know, hopefully either learned that lesson the hard way maybe during the pandemic or they start to kind of figure that out. But I do think that through conversations like this and City Nation Place, I think more and more communities are starting to understand that. Um, I mean, I guess to that last point, I mean, have you seen in, in other communities, like what, what's the evolution of place branding and DMOs and DMMOs? Have you seen that evolve over the last several years? Yeah, I definitely have. I mean, I think it, it, it comes, you know, in different waves in different communities. I mean, I couldn't agree with you more on, you know, the, the difference between the brand and the marketing campaign. And I think it's why we pressed in so heavy, even during the pandemic on the management side, because the community's brand was at stake. Mm -hmm. Not just the brand of, of Visit SoCal and not just the brand of SoCal as a region, but quite frankly, the community's brand. If we get that wrong with how those consumers come back into the market, if we get that wrong with uh, you know, COVID and testing and vaccines and all those things, the, um, the detrimental out, output on that, if we get that wrong, in um, our equity, diversity, and inclusion work, right around things like Black Lives Matter and the stuff that happened over this over this last year. If we get that wrong in those things, we're going to fracture the brand of the region, and that is going to set us back much further for a much longer period of time than any of these other things that we've talked about. Because if people start looking at the destination differently, it's really hard to overcome that. So we've seen, um, you know, we've seen the evolution start to happen at the, a little more the local community level here. We, you know, we are, we are the county-wide nonprofit destination marketing and management organization, but there's seven municipalities in our county uh, and then the unincorporated county. There are six local DMOs under us. And so some of them, you know, are definitely just focused on the marketing. Some are being pushed by default into the management side. Uh, you take a community like Pismo Beach, very well known, great destination. But man, during the height of the pandemic, uh, it was overrun with visitors. We had properties that in September and October of 2020 recorded their best month in the history of their company in the middle of a pandemic because you had all these people from Los Angeles and San Francisco and the Central Valley who had nowhere else to go. 
And so they came to Pismo Beach. And now all of a sudden you had a bunch of resident sentiment issues because the residents were saying, well, we do not want these people here in the middle of a pandemic. And so they have been, by default, pushed into the management side. Um, You have other organizations here locally that are more focused on the sustainability side. So they're pressing into the management piece on that of how how do we make sure that we're caring for our beaches and our open environments and making sure uh, that those things stay true for generations to come. But I think the challenge typically occurs in those smaller DMOs who just don't have the bandwidth to do it on their own. You know, we're, we're different. I mean, during the pandemic, we went from 19 to five team members. We're now back to 11. Uh, but I have, you know, at this organization, a role, a director of community engagement and advocacy that is focused solely on destination management and the advocacy for it. Um, that's a different scenario than maybe a local DMO or a smaller CBB that has one or two staff members. Their ability to press into that becomes a little more challenging. And I think one of the evolutions for this space is for some of the associations to be able to bring along some of that template management work to make it easier on the small DMOs who don't have the bandwidth to do it themselves. We've done that in marketing and co-ops and things like that. We haven't got there yet in management for local destinations. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I think it's, you know, it's one thing to to say that it's one thing to just add another M to your, yeah. you know, what your org, but it's to get it right organizationally and actually have the, whether it's the manpower or the process or the tools to, to actually do that. I think what, that's the key part and that's the hard part. Um, and, and I've seen some that organizations that try to do that, but because they don't have that organizational power, they're kind of told to just almost stay in your lane a little bit, you know, of, well, you guys just focus on the marketing, you just focus on the visitor side. Um, I guess, do you have any tips for, you know, communities or, or DMOs that are kind of trying to make that push to like on the organizational side, like how do we get, how do we make that leap? Yeah, it's interesting. You know, there's over 100 uh, DMOs in the state of California. And to my knowledge, we are one of three that has this role. And we rank about 14th in the budget category out of those 100. So, you know, I got 13 DMOs bigger than me. Only two of those have a role focused on management and advocacy in their organization. I think it really, you know, for me, it really starts from the top down. If you believe it. And I believe it. I, you know, I relocated to this destination nine years ago because this was where I wanted to spend my life. I didn't have a job, tried to figure it out for the first two years. And now I run uh, a great organization. I've got the greatest job in the world, but I moved here because this was a place that I thought was special and I wanted to be. And so that management side for me has been critical from day one, because I want this place to remain pristine for my kids and my kids' kids. And so I think it starts at the top. It it also depends on board structure. You know, when you work for, uh, we're nonprofit, I think it's much harder when you're on the government side. Um, If you're you're a city, you know, DMO or CBB or county or state, uh, sometimes the press back is, no, we're we're not doing that. We don't want you to manage us or manage the process. We're going to tell you how it's going to be. And so that becomes a little bit harder of a lift sometimes. It really comes down to getting your board involved. I mean, I have a board of uh, 19 lodging owners. Um, and they were focused on if we don't get this right here, we're going to continue to allow the destination to become something we never planned for it to be. And that is tragic, you know, anywhere. And so we wanted to be very prescriptive in, OK, this is the way we're going to get there. 
and they saw the need and were willing to fund it. But I think it starts with the CEO or the leader um, kind of drawing a line in the sand and saying, this is why it's important. And then bringing, his, bringing their board members along with them to help inform those decisions who, when there is press back from a local municipality, you know, those board members who are the taxpayers can stand up and say, whoa, we're doing this because this is why it's going to matter in the long run. I think you got to have the vision and you got to have the intention to get it there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I appreciate that. So, I mean, it's such an important topic. Um, the the idea of, you know, you said, you know, we don't want to become something that we're not, right? I think that's such an important part of the role because in, the brand can help make sure that doesn't happen. Um, and the organization yeah. will be there to make sure that it doesn't, you don't let change or growth or a pandemic happen to you. You control it. I think that's the way that you go about it. Um, well, Chuck, I appreciate your time talking today. Um, definitely encourage people to register for City Nation Place Americas to see your talk. And if people want to just check out SlowCal, how, where should they go? What should they look up online to come visit you guys? Yeah, so you can you can find the website at slowcal.com. Uh, really easy to look it up there. And I would say, you know, if you've got listeners who have questions on this destination management side, you know, feel free to reach out to me. My email is chuck at slowcal.com, S-L-O-C-A-L.com. Um, you know, I, I'm super passionate about this space and I'm only involved in it because I had other mentors like Joe Terzi, who used to run uh, San Diego Tourism Authority, who, who you know, led me down that path. And so I, I want to help people who are trying to figure it out as well. We, we say we're an organization that are information sharers, not information hoarders. And so I'm all about, you know, helping people understand the best practices that we've seen be successful. And so if I can help anybody in that, I'd be happy to do it too. And I look forward to hopefully seeing many of you at City Nation Place next month. Yeah, well, that's great. I appreciate it. Thanks again, Chuck. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to Eyes on the Street, a Civic Brand podcast. For more information on Civic Brand, please visit civicbrand.com or follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter.